You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Hello, Mission family. My name is Ricardo Cordero, and I am excited to be with you today for another uh, amazing time of worship, of diving into the Word of God, of diving into His presence, of experiencing His presence, uh, growing into the likeness of Christ as we worship together as a family of believers. Here at the mission, we often say that we're not just church, we're family, because in reality, the Church of Christ is a family. And so we believe in the power of coming together, whether it's in person or online, to grow as a community into, again, image bearers that look more and more like Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. Now, for me, what, how that plays out in my time with the Lord, um, it, it plays out as follows. I try to experience more and more of the glory of God. I try to seek that. Um, and I don't always do it perfectly. I don't always do it the right way, but that's what I try to do. I want to be more like Jesus by seeing his glory and being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Now, for me, something that I've found in the Bible that speaks often a lot to the condition that we find ourselves in as believers, yet still we sin, uh, something that, that I have found in the Bible that is crucial to understanding how we transform is the study of the heart, the study of the biblical theme of the heart. See, in the Bible, the heart comes up over and over again as being a crucial element in our ability to be more Christ-like, in our ability to obey God, in our ability to be more holy, in our ability, et cetera, et cetera. And so the heart seems to be this crucial thing for me that I've always gravitated to try to understand how do I gain what the Bible calls a new heart, a heart that is uh, not of stone but of flesh, a heart that is after God? How do we cultivate this? See, in my quiet time, I often go to Psalms, at least in this recent season of my life. And every once in a while, as I'm, or actually very often when I'm going through, uh, whether it's a Psalm or some other scripture in the Bible, I find something that sticks out that resonates within me and that calls me in as God speaks to me about something that I need to pay attention to. Not too long ago, the psalm that did that for me was Psalm 86, specifically verses 11 through 13. That's going to be our scripture uh, for today, though we're going to see other scripture in context. That's going to be where we center our attention. In Psalm chapter 86, verses 11 through 13, it reads as follows. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. What does that even mean? We're going to spend some time there. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. See, 
The heart in the Bible, just like in this passage, comes up often. And more often than not, it's not used necessarily to represent the physical heart, though it has been used in the Bible that way, but rather to be used in a way that's similar to how we use it today in the English language, to represent something about our inner being beyond the physical, right? And so, at least in the, when you go to Hebrew and when you look at the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word for heart, uh, levav, or sometimes shortened to lev, um, was used often to represent multiple aspects, multiple dimensions about a person. See, for many years, the ancient Hebrews would, would pray something called the Shema. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. And it says as follows, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's verse 4. And then in verse 5 it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, I've heard that before and not in the Old Testament, not in Deuteronomy. I've heard that before. I think I've heard Jesus say that. Here's what's interesting. In the Greek language, many years after Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, in, in this language, when Jesus is teaching this Shema saying, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So the only thing that's really different there, substantially different, is that mind is included, whereas in Deuteronomy it wasn't. Granted, in Mark it says strength instead of might, but they mean the same thing, with all your intentionality, with all your ability, with all your intensity. So why is it that in the Greek, many years later, we find mind, but we don't find mind in Deuteronomy? Because for the ancient Hebrews, the heart really represented multiple facets. It wasn't just your emotions, right? And again, I'm not talking about the physical use of the heart, right? The literal heart in our bodies, but rather how the heart is used to represent multiple things. For us today, we use a heart mainly to represent our desires or our emotions and what we're passionate about. But it included the mind in ancient Hebrew, and that's why, or, or in ancient Hebrew usage, excuse me. And then when we come to the Gospels, Jesus adds that mind there because heart and mind in that context, represents what the heart originally represented. So, here's the deal. All that to say this. The heart, when we see it used metaphorically in the Bible, the heart often represents the center of your emotions, your desires or your will, and of your thoughts. Let's say that again. Let's take that home, right? In the Bible, when you read through the Old and New Testament, often the heart represents the center of your emotions, of your desires or of your will, and of your thoughts. That's what the heart represents. And so in the Shema, when we're called to, to worship God with everything, 
That includes with our hearts, which includes all these multiple aspects within. All these multiple aspects within. But here's the problem with our experience. As I was saying earlier, I'm trying to understand this process of transforming and becoming more like Jesus. The reality is we compartmentalize God. (laughs) We sinfully compartmentalize God. We keep God in certain areas of our lives, and in others, we compartmentalize him out. We're all guilty of this to some extent, right? Until we are Christ-like, perfectly Christ-like, we all do this to some extent. We compartmentalize God outside of different areas and dimensions of our life, even within our own hearts. Again, the Hebrew usage of heart. So that might mean that you compartmentalize God within your emotions. Maybe you compartmentalize God outside of your desires and of your thoughts. Maybe all three, we often do in all three at different moments in our lives. The heart is the problem of our lack of obedience and our lack of wanting to worship faithfully. See, this is why the prophet Jeremiah says, this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. This is why in Deuteronomy, we are told that the Lord God, excuse me, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart again, right? We are incapable of not compartmentalizing God outside of our heart, right? Or or, or even within our heart. We're we're incapable of stopping that. So God needs to, he, he needs to do something a transformation, right? It says circumcision there, but that was something they understood to the ancient Hebrews. We're talking about transforming. That's what it means. It's to transform our heart. See, in Ezekiel, the prophet also says, or or rather communicates what God says and promises. God tells us, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The heart is consistently recognized as being problematic. The center of our problems, in fact. Our emotions are compromised, our desires are compromised, and our thoughts are compromised. And here's the idea, when we fracture, or when we make fractions of our heart devoted to God and other areas not, we don't have a united heart. Think about that central verse that we said today, Psalm 86, 11 through 13 and 11, it says, unite my heart to fear your name. Again, remember fear here is something like a reverence, the type of reverence and fear that you have when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon. You can't help but just in awe express wonder, but also, wow, this is so much bigger than me. I'm so scared in in a humbling and beautiful way. So I need to unite my heart because I've compartmentalized God out in different areas of my heart. I'm I'm creating compartments. And some areas are fully devoted to worshiping God with all my, maybe with some emotions, maybe with some thoughts, maybe with some desires. 
We need to fix that. We need to fix that. And the problem is we really can't do it. As we're told by both prophets, God needs to do that work. God needs to circumcise our heart. God needs to give us a new heart, a heart that's not of stone. He'll remove the heart of stone. He'll give us a heart of flesh. He needs to do the job. He needs to, again, clean us. And so here is one of the main issues. Here's what happens when we don't. When we don't take care of the compartmentalizing that happens within our hearts, of how we put God second uh, in some areas of our heart, or how we, again, just kind of compromise with our emotions between where God takes precedence and where I take precedence. When we do that, here's what happens. You're going to worship something. It's not going to be God. Because we worship. We all do. The question is, what will you worship? But you will worship something. You will have an idol. Watch this. Pay close attention. Look at Ezekiel 36, where this promise came to us. We're in chapter 36 of Ezekiel now. The verse right before we're told that we're going to receive a new heart In verse 26, look at verse 25. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. That's when it finally says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. So we worship something. It's either God or idols. And when we compartmentalize God outside Uh, of different regions of our heart, we end up worshiping things or people or outcomes or financial gain. We end up worshiping idols that are the works of hands of people or replacements that are meant to take the place of God instead of worshiping God. Contrast that with the main central passage for today, as we said, Psalm 86. In verse 12 of Psalm 86, it says, I give thanks to you, O my Lord, with my whole heart, now the heart is united, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. See, when our heart is united, meaning there is no room for anything else, Within all the the, the portions that make up the heart, when our heart is united to God, to fear God, to fear his name, we get that perfect worship to him, right? And we're all works in progress and we're not perfect, but we get a more perfect, so to speak, worship of God. We want to unite our hearts so that we don't go after idols, but instead we worship him with everything in us. We want to worship God with everything in us. And that means our emotions, our desires, and our thoughts. To close, I want us to be challenged by a series of questions about how we monitor our emotions, our desires, and our thoughts to make sure that we don't make space for anything other than God. Do we make idols 
out of other things? Is our heart made of little pockets of worship to God, but also worship to idols? Number one, think about your emotions. Am I totally devoted to worshiping God with my emotions? Think about it. Are my emotions fully dedicated to God? If my emotions aren't fully dedicated to God, here's what can happen. If God is not the center of my emotions, people will become idols of our unattainable happiness. Let me say that again. If your emotions are not centered on God, people will become idols of our unattainable happiness. We'll try to seek ultimate joy, satisfaction, happiness, and steadfast love in people when they can't give it instead of seeking it in God. And so they become idols. They take the place of our worship. Or maybe you yourself are your idol. Maybe in your emotions, you're so hurt by someone that you could be your own idol because you feel so validated in your resentment to other people that hurt you that you become the idol. So I know that's, that was such a real damage, and it's true. You were very much hurt, but you are incapable of forgiving. Is your idol someone else or is it yourself? Are your emotions centered on a person and not on God? Are your emotions centered on yourself and what you deserve versus what God deserves? You don't want to be your own idol where the pain that others have caused you leads to unrelenting resentment. Second area to check within our hearts, our desires. Do we let our desires for our wealth, status, rank, and perceptions among people, even on social media, become more important than the value, wealth, status, rank that we have as co-heirs with Christ. We're so focused sometimes on the wealth, status, rank, and perception that we have on, uh, on our neighbors, on our friends, on our family, on social media, how we're perceived by others, that we end up worshiping that. We end up worshiping that, per, that, that perception. And so we want, we desire wealth, status, and rank instead of desiring the wealth, status, and rank that I have in Jesus. Status and rank as co-heir. Wealth, because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure found, the ultimate treasure. In value, because I am loved, despite not being deserved to be loved, I am loved as Jesus is loved by the Father. And then the third category of our hearts are thoughts. Do we hold our thoughts captive to Christ, or do we allow our kingdom worldview to be secularized? Do we sometimes think, well, you know, this, this part of my Christian faith is a little impractical today. It's a little outdated. And so you be, allow yourself to become secularized instead of holding the high view of the kingdom of the gospel or the gospel of the kingdom. What, what are your thoughts centered on? Are they centered on the everlasting truths of the gospel of love and grace and mercy and of the kingdom of God? Do we seek the mind of the world or do we seek the mind of Christ? Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Have the mindset of Christ. As we close now, 
I pray that you would monitor your heart, that you would understand that, yes, you actually have to ask God to unite your heart to fear his name, and that through meditation, you would think, by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, you would think about these three areas of our heart that often seek to worship something. What will you let your heart worship? Will you let your thoughts, desires, and emotions worship God or worship something else? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us a new heart, that you would write your law within our hearts, that you would give us a heart of flesh, that you would, as Psalm 86 says in verse 11, unite our hearts to fear. And so then, as it says in the subsequent verses, that we would end up, as a result of a unified heart, glorifying you for your steadfast love and for your redemption. Make this happen through your power and not ours. I pray that you would also utilize our ability to think about these things, to meditate over them, so that the Holy Spirit would act through the through the power of meditating within the Holy Spirit's own uh, enabling, that we would meditate on your truths and be just enamored by who you are, what you've promised, what you give us, and all the fulfillment that you can give us. I pray that we, our hearts would be transformed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com. Thank you.